Hi, my name is Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. We are going to have so much fun together. I hope that our conversations about pleasure light you up. And I hope they inspire you to reclaim your desires and create more space in your day to bring pleasure into your work, your family life, and yes, even your sex life. We will practice and explore the art of pleasure together. Let's play. Hello, everybody. This is Pasha Marlowe from the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. Super excited to bring you today's guest, Jeff Harry, who is the founder of Rediscover Your Play. Jeff, welcome. I'm thrilled you're here. Yeah, this is going to be amped. I'm, I'm down. I'm excited. Let's do this. And I know that intro doesn't even touch the surface of all you are and all that you do. So is there anything that you'd like to like share as to yeah, like, this yeah. is who I am? I'll, I'll provide some framework. So I create psychologically safe workspaces using positive psychology in play. Why addressing like really challenging issues like toxicity at work, how to navigate difficult conversations, how to get your staff in flow, how to play with your inner critic. And I use positive psychology and play to do it. Awesome. Positive psychology does not mean you're always positive nor encouraging people to be always positive, right? No, that is toxic positivity, which I hate and I find delusional. No, positive psychology was founded by Marty Seligman back in the 80s. And what it was, was that he had found that psychology up until the 80s was just studying what was wrong with people. That was mm. it. That was all mm. of psychology. So mm. he was like, why don't we study what's right with people? Let's just double down on that. Let's explore, you know, that other people matter, right? And, and the more he was able to recognize that, you know, he realized that, you know, while there's, I think, 20 or 30% of people that are in depression and, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are in neutral that are just like having meh lives. And he's yeah. like, how do I move people from meh to flourishing? And that started mm. the whole positive psychology movement. Mm. Okay. My, my entrepreneurial mind is like, what rhymes with meh? Move people from meh to uh, And like going through the alphabet right, right, right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> that pleasure be the measure, let's go. I love that phrase. <laughs> I, get, I like, and I like that you can't have an aha without a ha ha. In terms of engage, ah, yeah, yeah. See, I got game. So yeah, it, it helps me remember. So, okay. So let's talk about death and suicide. So here's the thing. <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> no, I mean, what's interesting that you just brought, I have death chats. I have death chats with a few of my friends. We've had quite a few. Mm -hmm. And there's something powerful about really understanding when you understand death, you understand how you live, right? And, yeah. you know, let's learn from the dying. One of the biggest regrets of the dying is, you know, I wish I had the courage to live the life that I wanted to live, not the life that others expected of me. And it's like, oh my gosh, like people on their deathbed are warning me yes. of like how to actually live. And I remember when my, my dad died in 2015, all of his brothers showed up. His brothers had not seen each other in like 20, 30 years since their mom died. Mm -hmm. So I'm feeling grief and sadness, but then they show up and then all of a sudden I'm feeling joy and 
you know, gratitude. And I'm like, oh gosh, these feelings, can I have both these feelings at the same time? And that's something I learned through positive psychology and just like life in general. Yes, all the feelings, like all of them, feel all of the sadness, then you can let it go. Feel all of the anger and you can let it go, but also feel all the joy and the gratitude. It's that whole Pixar inside out of like, that is true living, feeling all the feelings. And I think a lot of times we numb ourselves, especially in America, by like binge watching Netflix and buying more Amazon Prime stuff. Numbing out. Just because we don't want to feel those feelings. Yeah. It's then hard we to miss out on all the joy that we could get. Yeah, right. Because if you can't feel the low lows, you're also not accessing the the high joys and the high highs. Yes. And um, and you mentioned being at your father's deathbed and and during funerals, often people have these light bulb moments of what am I doing with my life? Like an existential crisis. And I've lost a lot of people recently. And it's, it's always um, a moment of reestablishing my own self worth, my own philosophy about pleasure and life and, and connecting with people. Um, So we do, we need to listen to the people who are, who are dying and we need to listen to the voices in our head when we're witnessing it. And, and, and then listen and remember and then act upon it. So if you're like, wow, I really should someday figure out a way to have fun with my work or take time to play with my kids. Just, you, yeah, do it now. Do it yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, COVID yeah. is a huge reset. It's a huge opportunity mm-hmm. where post pandemic, we can bring more shared humanity to the workplace yes. where we can really look at, do I wanna work at this job? Do I want to be working 50 hours a week, 50 weeks out of the year, 2,500 hours and commuting for something that doesn't bring me a lot of fulfillment and joy? Is there something else that I can do? And like with all of the loss and pain that we have, like you, this is it, man. Mm -hmm. Like if this is any moment to realize like you got one, you got one life, you know, Mm -hmm. what do you want to do with it? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have time to just only, I love binge watching Netflix, but you don't have time to just binge watch Netflix for the rest of your life and yeah. just numb yourself because there's a lot of really dope things you can do in the world, but you don't have a lot of time to do them. Yes. And, and then, you know, reestablishing what, what dope means to you and, and what is possible within the, you know, constructs yeah. of, of what's going on half an hour before this, um, this is like full disclosure, half an hour before this podcast, which I thought was a uh, half an hour later. So I was, I was literally half an hour ago in my pajamas, drinking my coffee while crying, um, helping my child with his medication, holding his hands, praying with him because he's very ill. And I was like, oh, in an hour I'm going to have to talk about play. Like, I'm like, isn't that fascinating? Like I'm crying and I'm, and I'm so looking forward to talking to Jeff in a moment. And then my alarm on my phone went off and said half an hour. I'm like half an hour. So like waist up, I'm ready. But um, I was, while I was getting ready and, and crying and wiping the tears away, I was thinking about um, my childhood and the things that brought me pleasure, the things that light lit me up then and how they light me up now. And, um, and it's so so instantly changes our reference and our frame of mind. And, um, and am I still sad? Yes. Could I cry at the drop of that now? Yes. And paradoxically, I'm also holding this excitement and adventure in talking to you, um, joy and excitement of possibilities and creation um, and a wanting to 
play. So to keep my own energy and spirit up and then bring this energy back into my house right so that i'm not walking in with only heaviness and grief i'm still holding space for his emotions and pain and we're going to play some music and we're right. going to talk about the medicine and the colors of the medicine and we're going to find some joke about how awful it, we're going to we're going to create some humor around it as we have as we have for the last couple of years but they're both true they're both true and you can hold yeah. both in the same moment and, and i think a lot of times we don't realize there's play in the pain, you know? Yeah. If you think of a lot of funerals, some of the best ones. Oh yeah. They're laughing though, we're laughing the whole time. We're telling like all these crazy stories of like, can you believe that person used to say that? Oh my God, is that is what exactly what he said. Like we're, we're, we're re-experiencing those play, fun and joy moments. And I ask people this all the time, you know, at your end of the year, even though you're always trying to be productive all year, right? At the end of the year, you don't look back and be like, what were my most productive times? Never. Think, like what were my most playful, joyful, fun times? So if that is the case, why are we not focusing more on that? And I also talk a lot about how play is the opposite of perfection. And perfection is rooted in shame and yes. ego and fear of failure and peer pressure and, and looking for the right way. Is this the right way? What should I do the right way? While play is like experimentation, curiosity, embracing the fact that there is no right way, yes. that there's just like, it's your way that you figure it out. And if anything that 2020 taught us is that nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows, <laughs> nobody. And anyone that's giving you advice, like, this is what you should do. You're like, were you here a hundred years ago in the pandemic? Because if you're not, you just need to shut up because no one does. So even when I'm giving advice, I usually say like, I believe that you have all the answers that you need, yeah. you know, and you simply need to play enough in order to figure them out for the most part, you know, like mm -hmm. you don't know how to operate on yourself, but you know, you have most of the answers that you need. Right. Yes. Um, and and that the only reason my, my advice might resonate with you is because you've already told yourself the same advice. And I'm just reminding you of right. your song. And it's like, we're reminding people of what they knew intuitively in, in childhood. In childhood, when our parents might've been, let's say angry or even abusive, we would go to our bedrooms, right? And we would find something to play with, the doll, the stuffed animal, the imaginative friend, whatever. We access play to survive it. Yep. And we do that, we could do that now too. And I think when you say, and I might've been quoting you all this time, the opposite of play is perfection. I don't know if you coined that phrase, but I quote it daily. <laughs> I just didn't know who to give credit to. But in my therapeutic comedy work, where we work through our shame and our limiting beliefs, and then we kind of transform it through the lens of humor and present a comedy routine about it with a whole new perspective, we're busting through all kinds of shame. And we're practically preparing ourselves to, to fail and to laugh at ourselves and for people to laugh at our, at, at our stories. And it's so liberating to be able to reframe that, that shame. Yeah. Make friends that, with our shame. And what's interesting is like, you know who I like hanging out with the most? The shameless. Like the people, <laughs> the first people on the dance floor, the people yes. that are the weirdest and nerdy in it, nerdiest. Like what has someone recently said to me, you know, Instagram is like your perfect si sister and TikTok is like your ratchet cousin. Like I want to hang out with the ratchet cousin, like the person that's going to like bring the most joy and ridiculous to the party. Like, 
you know, and I think a lot of times, you know, we are so worried about being embarrassed when it's just like, yo, on the opposite side of all that fear and shame, mm-hmm. is all of the joy, yeah. all of the happiness, all of like the adventures are on that opposite side. And I'm, I find adults so boring. Mm-hmm. They're so boring, but it's mm-hmm. not that adults are actually boring. It's that we're pretending to be normal when <laughs> we could be super fascinating if we simply showed how weird, nerdy, strange, and quirky we are. I want to see that. So I don't even ask people anymore, like, what do you do for a living? I don't care. Yeah, That's not yeah. the question I want to ask. Right. I want to ask, like, what adventures have you recently been on? You know, what mischief are you causing in the world? Like, I want to know that. Tell me that. But don't tell me what you do for a living, especially when you don't like what you do, because that doesn't say anything about you. No. Oh, my goodness. I literally just named my group Midlife Mischief and Merriment because I love the mischief part. We need to keep accessing that. And in midlife, there's a bit of a like, I mean, I'm almost dead, at least halfway cooked. I might as well start going a little wild. And and I love working with midlife people because they're like, fuck it. What am I scared of anyhow? Who am I scared of? Yeah, exactly. They were like, I bought into the rule of following the rules and, you know, getting to getting good grades and then getting the good job and then, you know, doing this. And then and I was supposed to get happiness when I got to this result. But uh, when I got my white picket fence and when I have kids, when they got into college and I'm just like, yo, I am not happy. I have been doing all of the rules. I've been following all this is BS. I am angry. And that's when people have crises. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's when they buy like a sports car, or at least a lot of dudes do. And you're like, oh, is that your fun? That's not your fun. But because you're like searching for something new, you're just so done with the mundane. And you're like, I've been sold alive for the last 20, 30, 40, 40 years. And you're like, I'm done with this. I'm just done hanging out and having that same conversation of like, what's the weather? Oh, oh, do you know? Oh, what do you put in your grass? You know, like who cares, dude? Who cares? Stop following and keeping up with the Joneses. So boring. <laughs> the Joneses are not happy. You are keeping up with the Joneses and the Joneses are miserable. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love it. Like you're saying the dudes get the car and I'm like, what do we do? I'm like, oh, we we decide to like leave husbands and become lesbians. (laughs) You go to a lot of woo-woo retreats. I've met you a lot. I've met you at woo-woo retreats. It's great. Oh yeah. Yeah, we tapping into our woo. In fact, um, one of the things, this is just bringing it back to my kid for a sec, but this is where all my work is based on. He's got these huge, like what look like scratches across his whole torso and back. And the doctors are convinced he is cutting. And I understand that he's in a lot of pain um, mentally and physically with his illness, but, but he's with me all the time and we're pretty hundred percent sure it's not. And so I look it up online all the, all the time, like what causes you scratches? And one of the things that comes up all the time is like paranormal activity. Like he must've crossed paths with a black cat or a crow at one point. And that's what causes these like tiger like <laughs> scratches. I'm like, there's an interesting perspective. So I actually brought it up to him this morning. I'm like, I know it's been two years, buddy. We haven't figured it out, but I just want to show you like this person thinks it's paranormal. He's like, huh, all that's possible. (laughs) Right. Right. And that's the thing. It's just like, just stay curious. Right. 
adults are not curious or not enough adults are curious to just be like, let's just explore this. I don't know, it might seem ridiculous, but why not? Maybe it will be, you know? And instead yeah. it's just like, like, oh, I mean, the amount of parties that I've been at of like the rich and affluent and, and I see like, the affluent deadness. I came up with this term called affluent Ooh, deadness. I like it. I see, you know, I know people that are rich. I know people that are famous. I know people that, you know, like ha are influencers, right? And have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that like love them. Love but when it. you talk to a lot of people, especially a lot of rich people, it's just a deadness in their eye. Yeah. And when I'm like, I ask them, I'm like, what is it? It's either, they either are dead or they feel dead because they thought they would be happy when they reached this point and they're not. Yeah. They are constantly comparing themselves. So maybe they're worth $5 million, but someone else is worth $10 million, you know, or it's just, it's just not enough. It's just yeah. never enough. Yeah. Um, and then the, the worst part is then they post on Instagram how happy they are. And you're like, dude, I know how, I know what's going on with you. So then they sell this lie to everybody else. And then everyone else is trying to get up there. Right. right. And like the results just never bring you the happiness. And if you need lessons from that, like Michael Phelps, 23 Olympic gold medals, mm -hmm. went into depression right afterwards. A lot of Olympic medalists do that. Um, Anthony Bourdain had the job everyone wants in the world, wasn't enough. So like, we really have to be practicing, how can I be joyful, grateful, and playful in the moment, in any moment, right? Instead of thinking, when I get this, yes. that is when it's going to bring me joy. Because expectations are the thief of joy. I say that all the time. And that is why 2020 was so rough also for people. Because yeah. December 31st, 2019, people are like, oh my gosh, 2020 is going to be my year. This is the year we're going to get married. This is the year I'm going to change the world. And I'm going to start my business or quit my job. And then I was like, none of that happened. None of that happened. And you were like, and you couldn't handle it. And the people that thrived in 2020 were the people that were able to let go and being like, this is the reality, this is it. It is what it is yeah. from a positive standpoint and was like, I'm gonna make it whatever I can with whatever I have and have yeah, and the, for myself. The people I know who have thrived are the you know, creatives, those with neurodivergence, those with ADHD, those that are like use their art somehow, tapped into their play. Those are the yeah. people that seem to really pivot and thrive in 2020. But I know you go into businesses. Um, my daughter works for Microsoft, um, very mm, 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 analytical. I'm not sure if she's like, mom, play. Oh, I can't really make a living doing that. Um, but when you go into businesses such as Google and Microsoft, is that the most challenging person to speak to as somebody who who's, you know, executive and making lots of money and doesn't maybe have time in quotes to play. Is that your most um, challenging? It, it depends, right? Like, you know, I, I tell a lot of businesses, you know, the future, Stephen Johnson says the future's where the fun is. And if you think of the companies that thrived in 2020, they were the ones that were most likely to embrace failure, most likely to play, most likely to take risks. The TikTok, Clubhouse, Disney Plus, Hulu, Netflix, like a lot of these companies that are just trying out crazy things, yeah. right? Even like HBO Max is like, we're gonna do a movie every month, every week, we're gonna come out with a new movie. Okay, <laughs> do you dude? Like, you know, these taking these risks, those are the companies that thrive. 
the companies that are going to try to go back to normal, yep. those are going to be the blockbusters. Those are the ones that are going to be obsolete. So when you speak of it from that standpoint, and also you speak of it from the standpoint of like, hey, do you want your staff to get into flow? Like, mm -hmm. Companies hate talking about play, but they love talking about flow. They know that flow, when a staff is in flow, five times more productive, right? Engagement and engagement by flow, or what do you mean? So, so the actual like scientific analysis of flow. So Dr. Csikszentmihalyi talks about how flow is when you are in a state of consciousness, almost where you forget about time. It's your ikigai, it's your zone of genius. Where you know you have your you know Gay Hendricks talks about how you have your zone incompetence things you're not good at zone incompetence things you're average at zone of excellence things that you get paid for that you're really good at but you don't care either way that's where a lot of people are in but zone of genius is the work where you forget about time it's the work where if no one was paying you you would still do this work and what I tell a lot of managers is like. Do you know your staff's flow work? Do you know your staff's zone of genius? Because if you ask your staff and you help them do more of their flow work, like what is the work that you love to do most at this job? Yeah. You know, oh, you love talking to clients. What percentage of time do you currently do that? Only 10, 15% of the time. Oh my gosh. Like if we can increase that to, to 20 or 25%, not only is that going to help our bottom line, but studies have found when staff do their flow work, productivity is five, they, they're five times more productive and all of their other work is more, they get all of their other work done quicker right. because, because they're doing the work that makes them come alive. They're doing the work where they feel seen or heard and actually, you know, brings them joy. So I ask people all the time and then when managers are like, oh man, I've never thought about that. And then they test that out and they're like, oh, whoa, not only is this now helping us bring in more revenue, it's reducing turnover, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it's creating camaraderie and psychological safety with the team. Mm -hmm. And if you're still like, oh yeah, but that flow work, that sounds like whatever, that's, that's like pie in the sky stuff. Look at Google's 20% program, 20% rule. They give their staff a fifth of their time to pursue what is curious to them, their play, as long as it helps Google. What has come out from the 20% program? AdSense, Google Meet, Gmail, like foundations of Google came from allowing their staff to actually play and follow their curiosity. Very cool. My daughter sends me pictures of her life at Microsoft and they have like recess often and they have, you know, lattes and sushi and exercise time. And she gets um, physical fit, which she loves physical fitness and movement. Um, it's, it's complimentary and encouraged and that keeps her in the flow, that keeps her yeah. engaged. And what do you say to the leaders um, in, in terms of this idea of like leading with play, leading with laughter, leading with pleasure, where it doesn't decrease their um, ability to, to lead or their expertise or their professionalism? Doesn't it also make them even more trustworthy and relatable? Yeah, absolutely, because they're being more vulnerable. I mean, yeah. again, we go into work already playing. We go into work playing a role that we don't like to play. Like we play a role like I'm a serious manager. I'm a senior manager. I know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, you don't. You don't know what you're doing. We all don't know. And when you show up with a certain level of vulnerability, you can actually run better meetings. Like I tell people all the time, like, yes, and at your meetings, like yeah. an improv, just, yeah. just like, 
have, a, they do that with design thinking. We're like, we're not gonna negate ideas. We're just gonna yes and at, the, at all of our meetings and think about how we do meetings now, right? Or before the pandemic. And I hope you don't do it the same way after the pandemic, but we're like, all right, we're gonna have a brainstorming session. And listen guys, we're gonna think outside the box. So let's get into this box room and sit around this box table and now brainstorm for only an hour you know, and then try to come up with ideas. And you're like, this is not fun at all, right? Go outside, go play, go play a game while you're, while you're, go play horseshoes while you're like, you know, just do something else yeah. to actually break out of the, you know, stuff to, to um, you know, find that creative outlet. Yes. It's like mailing it in, right? And I yes. even tell people this, you can even have influence at any meeting, anyone could have influence at any meeting at the start of the meeting, because you can positively prime the meeting. Before the meeting even starts, the first words that come from someone as the as people are trickling in, if they're words about like their dog and their, their baby or something good that's happening, mm. it actually primes the meeting to be more positive and thus more productive. Cool. But if you start with someone complaining you know, and this is five minutes before the meeting starts. Yeah. It you totally lost. changes the vibe. So there are like these subtle things that we can do to just be a little bit more playful, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, as a team manager, we could be like, all right, listen, we always approach this project in the same way. I don't want to do that anymore. Let's take some risks. Give me some of your craziest ideas. And we're just going to yes and I these ideas because sometimes the craziest idea that you know you'll never do still may spark the actual idea that you do. Absolutely. And when meetings suck, why do meetings suck? Because they're way too long, because they mm -hmm. should end when they need to end. Like mm -hmm. if they're seven minutes, make them seven minutes, right? Mm -hmm. And also they're not fun. They're not mm -hmm. fun because it feels like you're just following this script and people are just stuck there. And yeah. there's no level of engagement or connection. And there should always be engagement and connection at meetings or you should stop doing them. Agreed. And do you, do you feel like embodying it and moving your body is, is most important, like getting people up and moving or not necessarily? I mean, it, it, it's totally up to you, right? It's you do uh -huh. you, boo-boo. Like it's different. <laughs> Again, there's no right answer here. Yeah. This is about yeah. experimentating with your staff, right? Yes. Another yes. thing to create psychological safety is I ask managers all the time, do you know your staff's languages of appreciation? Mm -hmm. Like, do you know how your staff like to be, like to receive, you mm -hmm. know? Oh, they love words of affirmation. When was the last time you praised them? Not just to themselves, but to the other people in other departments. So then maybe later on, if they work for Microsoft, they can move on to another department. Yeah. That would make me want to work harder for you, right? Oh, you like gifts? Oh, they appreciate money? Okay, instead of giving the bonus at the end of the year only, why don't you take the same amount of money and spread it out over the, the entire year and give it to them every time they do something nice or mm -hmm. awesome? You know, that also increases happiness and engagement. Oh, you like acts of service? Tell them to go home on a Friday early and they yeah. don't cover their work. You know, yeah. these are small things that we can do that again, create psychological safety so we can play. Because I don't, I did team building events with like the top tech companies for like a decade. I don't do forced fun anymore. I mm -hmm. hate forced fun. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like, if Chad hates Samantha, me putting them in an escape from the room is not going to like bring them together. It's just not, it's just not. 
And what we need to have is we need to have difficult conversations. We need to create psychological safety by managers understanding their staff. And we need to come from a place of shared humanity. Yes, yes. And for you on the days where it's difficult and you wake up and you do this play work, how do you pull yourself out of it? What is your go-to? So I learned this from my uh, friend Desiree who like travels all over the world. And she would ask this really interesting question, whether she was having a good day or having a bad day, she would always ask this, um, how can it get any better than this? Mm. And she would ask this question from a place of like curiosity, not from like a place of yearning, but like, I need this, mm. like it has to get better than this, but more like, how can it get any better than this? Like, hmm, interesting. Um, so I always start my day with TikTok videos. I make a TikTok video. It puts me in the framework of play. It frames my day as seeing everything as play. And then I'm like, ooh, how can it get any better than this, right? So I'm like, you know, today I made this TikTok video to start my day. Ooh, how can it get any better than this? Ooh, now we're on, in, we're on this podcast. How can it get any better than this? Right after this, I'm doing a podcast with my colleague, Lauren. How can it get any better than this? And then later on, I'm talking to some college students, trying to help them to play more as they're stressed out about college. How can it get any better than this after that? I don't know, but I'm open. And I think a lot of times when people say I had a bad day, I challenge them. I say, you don't, I don't know if you had a bad day. What you had was a bad moment. Mm -hmm. And then you ruminated about that bad mm -hmm. moment because thoughts usually last between nine seconds and 90 seconds. And you just kept going over that bad moment. And then you primed your mind because your mind is constantly looking for patterns. You prime your mind to look for the next bad moment and the next bad moment and the next bad moment. But by simply asking this question, how can it get any better than this? You can shift your day, you can shift that moment and you can potentially shift your life. Absolutely. We, I, I always say this, um, how could it be more beautiful than this? But the same idea, and it could be in a scary uh, doctor's appointment or during a scary treatment. How could it be better than this? Can we get some fuzzy socks on? Can we change the temperature? Mm -hmm. Can we wear a colorful shirt? Uh, can we play different music in the MRI machine? Like even right. sneak that pleasure and play in. And, and, and those are very action oriented stuff, but you don't even need to do something action oriented. You just need to be curious to be like, how can it get better? And then, mm. and allow your mind to look for that pattern. Mm. The pattern is always out there, right? Mm. You know, we whenever we buy like a, like a brand new car, we then find that car everywhere. Oh, yes. You know, that is not that that car is now everyone has it, even though that's what we believe. It's just simply we're looking for it. So yeah. we just have to prime ourselves to look mm. for it. Yeah, yeah. And it's a practice. And do you find that at the end of the day, sometimes if you haven't had a day filled with creativity or podcasts and um, TikTok videos, do you just, you say, I need to still do something at the end of the day, you'd still make a video if, it, if it's been one of those days where- Yeah, or sometimes it just sit in the sadness, you know? <laughs> And that's fine too. Like mm -hmm. sometimes you gotta binge watch Netflix. Yeah, no mm -hmm. judgment. Like, yo, do you, man. Mm -hmm. But it's just that we just have to have more compassion for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I don't think we have a lot of compassion for ourselves. Like I say this all the time, like why do adults not play enough? 148,000 no's, that's why. Because by the time you reach the age of 18, you've heard the word no 148,000 times. Wow. And then on top of that, 
you know, and maybe you've heard the word yes. I think it's between eight to 10,000 times, depending on how you were raised, right? And then on top of that, you, as a kid, you are should on, on a, by adults all the time. You should do this. You should do that. You should be a lawyer. You're like, I'm six. Why are you telling me what I should be doing right now at six? You know, um, then you go to school where you're told to raise your hand and follow the rules all the time, right? And then you get to your teen years where social media is constantly inundating you with, you get more information in a day than more people got in the 1950s in an entire year. Yes. And, and all that information is telling you, you're not enough. You definitely shouldn't be yourself. And by the way, you should probably buy more stuff to fill that void in your heart. So no wonder we don't play, right? That is what we're up against. We're up against all of that. So it's such like a revolutionary, rebellious act to play, to embrace your nerdiness, to embrace your weird qualities and actually show the world like, this is me and I don't really care what you think. Absolutely, and you are proof that you can create a living doing yeah. this. Um, my son who used to play, my older son who's now 25, used to play Legos all the time and he liked to build cars and play with Matchbox cars. It was all he loved. And I said, how can we make this a job as he grew up? He continued to draw cars, love cars, design cars. He went to uh, Detroit to school, Ford picked him up. He's a car designer. He's yeah. called me, he says, mom, I would do this for free. I would yep. do this for fun every single day. And they pay me a yeah. ton of money to do what I love. And it's like, there are opportunities out there to make your your play and your passion and your fun a, in work. A job. I mean, I remember, I remember when I, so, you know, I worked for the toy industry, hated it, you know, came to the Bay Area, bumped into an organization that was teaching kids engineering with Lego. It was like a joke of a job paying 150 bucks a week, seven people, you know, found it on Craigslist, um, but they were playing. And we took that company from yeah. seven people to 400 people. Cool. It the largest Lego inspired STEM organization like in the US. And we did it all by playing. No business plan. We picked cities we thought were fun. We picked people that we thought were fun. We experimented all the time. We failed miserably a lot. And we just kept going. And, and that is how I, we got the attention of Silicon Valley. Because after a while, like we built such, you know, we're running so many programs all over the Bay that, you know, Facebook, Google, Adobe were like, hey, do you do team building events? And we're like, yeah, of course we do. No, we didn't, but we said <laughs> yes to everything. And we were just saying yes and to life and yes and to opportunity. So you can build a business, not in the normal way, right? You can do a job. I remember I'd be, I'd be in airports wearing my like ridiculous Lego bow tie and people would ask me what I do for a living. And I, I was like, I play for a living. And there's a lot of people, a lot of engineers, because I graduated with an engineering degree and they're like, no, you don't. Like almost angry at me. Yeah, how'd you do that? I, the more I described it, they were like, I've, I've been lied to. Like, right. I've been lied to. I've been told that work, I have to hate work or feel work is meh. And it's just like, it doesn't have to be. It just doesn't. You know, and if you're going to be spending 2,500 hours a year at work, like you better be finding a way to have some fun there or it's just going to crush your soul. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's life-saving. It's life-saving. Right. Because otherwise, right. Crush your soul and you die with regret of not having had fun or not right. having. And you'll have like millions of dollars or whatever it is. And you'll have like a strong 401k, but you will have lost your idea of how to even take risks. 
you know, I ask people this all the time. When was the last time you did something that got you nerve sighted? Yes. Like nervous and excited. Yes. When was the last time you like, I can't believe I'm quoting, we bought a zoo from, <laughs> you know, Matt Damon, but it was just like, when was the last time you had like, you took, you, all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage, 20 seconds of sheer bravery and everything can change. Anything can change. We have that opportunity at any moment in our life to do that. That's super exciting. So when you're like, how was your day? And so and you're like, eh, my day is the same as same old. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you, you might die soon. Like yes. COVID didn't teach you anything. Yes. Like, so take the risk today because as like Will Smith says, you know, like on the opposite side of all that fear is all of the adventure, all of the stuff you've always wanted is on that other side. It's in the deep end of the pool, but you have to be willing to leap in order to. Mm, to beautiful. What do you do that still scares you and brings you those butterflies in your stomach and lights you up in a terrifying, thrilling way? Uh, well, I'm trying, this year I'm trying to take a risk a day and log it. And sometimes the risk is like, reach out to a friend because I'm feeling like really vulnerable and ask them for help. Or it could be like, let me hop on, let me apply to this podcast that I have no business applying to, yeah. right? You know, like, so it's different each and every time. Yeah. And again, the thing that's interesting about it is like, it's not even about the act. It's not about whether I get the podcast or not. It's about the fact that I just proved to myself. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make a video that makes me really nervous because people might not like it. Mm -hmm. Do it. Yes. The thing that makes you both excited and, you know, and nervous, do it and just yes. see, because when I'm able to do it and jump into that deep end of the pool, I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. Right. Oh, and I thought, you know, and, and I think it was my friend Keisha that mentioned um, what the acronym of fear is, false evidence appearing real, right? And it's just like, that is exactly what it is. We tell these huge stories um, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert says personal transformation doesn't happen until you get tired of your own bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, what was my bullshit last year? Mm -hmm. March of 2020, I was like, I don't have time to make videos. I have no time. Um, I sound weird when I make videos. You know, I don't like how I look when I make videos. And then quarantine happened. The lockdown happened. It was like, guess time. Guess what? You have all the time in the world. You have every hour. Like there's no, ex you can binge watch Netflix for eight hours and still have more time, Jeff. What are you going to do with it? And I ended up making like over 150, maybe 200 videos in the span of like the next nine months. Like I was making a video or multiple yeah. videos a day. Yeah. And not only by doing that, did it give me confidence to do other things, but like, then I was like, well, let me just try out podcasts. So that's when I told yeah. you earlier, like then I was on 150 podcasts. Let me apply, you know, to work with these like top tech companies. Oh my goodness. Now let me uh, reach out to like the New York times and Mashable. Oh my gosh. Now I'm getting printed in those papers. Like just taking risks for the yeah. sake of taking risks and yeah. people being like, I don't know how you're doing all these things. And it's just like, I'm just trying it. And if it feels good, I keep doing it. And when I don't like to do it, then I stop. That's, yeah. that's really you, it. And after you do it and it lights you up, you're like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And right. it's, it's so much fun. Yeah. The 
and also like not only what's also definitely what's next, but also let me savor. This is another thing I learned a lot about positive psychology. Let me savor what I just did. Mm, let me savor the fact that I just took this risk. You can actually, um, you know, I learned that you can actually slow down time in your mind by simply watching more sunsets. If you watch sunsets for a week, don't Instagram them, you know, don't take photos of them, just watch them. Your mind starts to be like, oh, are we appreciating more? Are we taking the appreciation? And then you can attach that to other things, how you enjoy your food, how you do your work, like all these things. So I think it's a combination of, of take the risk and then celebrate that you took it regardless of the outcome. Because I say this all the time, play is any joyful act where you forget about time that has no purpose and has no result, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's in the process, it's in the flow, it's in the moment. And I think a lot of times we're constantly looking for some external validation, you know, um, uh, what is it? You either claim who you are or you end up chasing your worth for your, the rest of your life. How many people are chasing their worth, right? External mm -hmm. validation. When frankly, man, like your worth's in the moment. Like it's, it's, it's not in your productivity. It's not in like how much money you make. It's in like, can you find joy and fulfillment right now, right in this moment, even during all the horrible this that's going on? Can you find some inkling of joy, play and gratitude? Thank you. And thank you for reminding us to celebrate it and savor in the moment. Cause I think those of us who are highly uh, productive and take risks every day and kind of now I can just expect that of myself. You know, I wrote a book. Okay. It's done. What's next? What's next? What's next? It's, it's not stopping and really celebrating those moments. It's such and a going back and being like, yo, I wrote a book. <laughs> like, yo, let's celebrate that again. Didn't we already say, yeah, we're going to celebrate it again. Yeah, I'm going to celebrate my birth. Like someone told me the other day, we were like, I'm going to celebrate a day for each day that I've been alive for my birthday. And I was like, okay, like, you know, think about it. If you're like 80 years old, that's two months of celebrating. Yeah, you do you, dude. Like, that's amazing. Almost three months. So like, we need to be spending more time celebrating. Uh, and not like, and, and here's something interesting I just learned from TikTok of all places <laughs> is the way in which you celebrate the same way in which you cope. Mm. You have to be aware of that. Like, Ooh, you know, I celebrate, I binge watching Netflix. I also celebrate by binge. I also, you know, when I'm depressed, I binge watch Netflix. So we have to be also aware, just be aware of like, how are we actually really enjoying and, and being grateful you know, and the celebrations don't have to be this, these huge like parties. It could be something as simple. I learned this from my uh, play mentor, Gwen Gordon, where, where, well, here, let's just do it. Okay. Tell me how awesome you feel about your book, about writing your book. Well, I'm, I'm very impressed with myself that I finished something and that I'm, um, and frankly, as soon as it was out, I was like, what's next? I should write another book. That was, that was easier than I thought it would be. Um, and I keep it by my desk because sometimes I forget I did it because I didn't celebrate it enough. I literally keep it on my desk. I'm like, oh, right. You did that thing. Cause I didn't, I didn't, um, Saver. And I, and I love that you're, as you're telling me this, because then I get excited because I'm like, Ooh, can I write a book? Ooh, maybe that's possible for me. And I'm like, Ooh, and then now she's like bold enough now to write another book. So I'm so excited about that. And then what do you think of when I say that? 
um, it, well, it lights me up that you want to write a book and it makes me feel better about myself that I, um, you know, encourage some bravery and risk-taking in you. See, and then, so, we, so Gwen Gordon taught us how to do it back and forth. And the yeah. more you do that savoring back and forth, yeah. you go deeper and deeper and deeper. So you yeah. keep responding to how that person felt and yeah. how that's making you feel. And then you can actually, um, more solidify the memory in your head. Cool, I like it. Celebration by doing yeah. that. Because I think yeah. a lot of times it's like, I wrote this book, all right, what's the next thing? And it's just like, whoa, let's keep going back and celebrating those really important moments in our life. It's so true. Uh, you're, you're calling me out on my shit right now because that's exactly what I do. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. It's, it's very wise and important because um, if we're going to constantly chase our, chase our worth, like you said, otherwise. So Yeah. And, and I even did that. I wrote an article called the Play Fun Joy Index. I do it every year because I don't believe in resolutions because by like the time I'm 13 days out, you forget your resolution. <laughs> what but, did I say? But, your, but the Play Fun Joy Index, what I ask people to do is, even in 2020, look back at your year and what were your most playful, fun, and joyful moments? And I ask certain questions. What was your most awe-inspiring moment? When did you laugh the most? Who did you laugh with? Who were the people that were surrounding you during that time? What was your biggest risk and what did you learn from that? Like, let's celebrate all of the, when did you smile the most? Just like, again, looking back at that, you're like, oh my gosh, I, it was when I did this. Oh, my, this is when I was doing this. And then you can be like, wait a minute. Okay, for 2021, right? And we can still do this for 2021. Based off of what I loved so much about 2020, what joyful moments do I want to have in 2021? And just simply the anticipation of planning them, even if they're like, even if we know we're going to still maybe be in quarantine, they, just thinking about that, Yes. Brings a certain level of joy and gratitude. Yeah. 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 The, the just before you leap is often the most fun. <laughs> yes. I, oh, you light me up so much and I want to continue to talk to you and play with you and all the things. Is there a game that you just love as we close it up? Like a game that you just, you, it just makes you like connect with people, something that, um, something that we could do quickly together, whether it's an improv game or a play that you bring to. Oh, oh well, I, so I'll, l let me first do this. This is something that can remind you who you are, which is really great Good. that people can do after they finish listening to this. Great. So, um, you know, this is something you do with your friends. You reach out to three to five of your closest friends and do this when you like forget. Like you're feeling stuck or you're feeling like, I'm not motivated, what, what's happening? So you reach out to three to five of your closest friends you ask them these two questions. Okay. What value do I bring to your life? Because I think a lot of times we forget, what, what do I do for you? Like, what impact do I have on the world? Like, why are we friends, right? So what value do I bring to your life? And then the second question I ask is, when have you come, when do you, have you seen me come most alive? And that's based off the Howard Thurman quote. Don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive because what the world needs is for more people to come alive. So the, when have you seen me come most alive can also be asked as, when have you seen me most creative, most playful, most myself, right? And when you get the answers of what value do I bring to your life and when have you seen me most alive and you look at the patterns that, oh man, 
then you're like, oh my gosh, that's what I do for people. That's the impact I have. Oh my gosh, that's the, the power that my book had on your life. Oh man, those are the ways in which I actually do come alive. Thank you for reminding me of my song, yeah. right? And then you go back out to those same friends to be like, hey, now help me to play more in these ways. You know, you have a tipsy play storm and come up with a bunch of ways in which you can do that. So that's something that people can do, you know, in the comforts of their own home. I do this on Clubhouse. Um, it's, a, it's an introspective question play game. Um, and it's called the tombstone game, um, which people are like, oh, tombstone, that sounds so sad. Um, but it's like, what do you want on your tombstone? So fill in the blank here and I'll go first, but it's like, here lies blank, best remembered for blank, blank and blank. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, here lies Jeff, best remembered for embracing play, being his nerdy, weird, strange self and loving Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So like, you know, so that's mine. What is yours? Oh gosh. Um, here lies Pasha, um, mama bear snuggle bunny at heart who waited half her life to find out how to laugh and then laugh and laugh till she died. So I love that. So then you can be like, Today, am I being a mama bear? Am I being a snuggle bear? Am I laughing, you know, and, and doing the thing that makes me come most alive? So you could just like repeat that back to yourself and be like, dude, this is a mantra now. So like, these are like just simple ways we can just play more. Simple and meaningful and powerful. Yes, yes. Ah, you touch parts of my heart and soul and spirit that, that do light me up and remind me who, who I am. It's such a gift to, to talk to you. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for exploring all the emotions and holding space for all of the emotions and doing this for your work. Uh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I'm inspired. I know you've got like 20 more today, probably. After this, I get to do another podcast and it's about like kink so like i'm i'm playing the range i don't even know what i'm walking into all next. right good luck well have an amazing time i have to go but this has been such a pleasure thanks so much <laughs> thanks jeff thank you bye See you.